Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Podcasting is the New Kink. I'm your host, Pink Lady, and I am so excited for this episode. Y'all, when I had the idea of interviewing married couples, this was one of the first couples I thought of. They are amazing, and in this episode, you will definitely see why. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Podcasting is a New Kink, Melanie and Anthony Clark. Oh, thank you so much for having us. We're honored to be here. Yes. What's up, guys? Um, I'm Anthony Clark. And I'm Melanie Clark. And we are the, the Amazing Clarks. Clarks. We're both award-winning certified life and love coaches and a husband and wife duo that have been coaching together as a team for 22 years and that have been passionately in love for 30. They call us the Amazing Clarks because we empower people to live amazing lives. Yes, we do. I love that. And I can tell from your content that you definitely do. As we were chatting a little bit before we hit the record button, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. we were talking about, I was telling you about how I was kind of fangirling because I looked at your content and you guys give so many good tips and just such good insight about, you know, being married and partnership really. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I think it's beautiful. Um, and you are a black couple. So hello. Yes. I, I love that. <laughs> yes, we do too. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you started coaching and how the business and the amazing Clarks came about. Okay. Whoa, okay that's a great question. So we started coaching. Actually, I started coaching first. And when I was in, a, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, and I had an opportunity to go to college in California. So when I got here, I immediately got into a relationship with my college girlfriend and we moved in together to make a long story short. Um, we kept fighting like cats and dogs, make up, break up, make up, break up. Eventually, uh, we broke up. And then she said she was pregnant and that she was pregnant with twin boys and that they were mine. And at the time I had an opportunity to play professional basketball overseas and uh, professional baseball with the Brewers, double uh, a baseball. And, um, but when she was pregnant, even though I knew we shouldn't be together, I decided, you know what? My father wasn't there for me growing up. I'll never want to be like that. So I'm going to be there for her either way. So I married her and the, the marriage went bad. The twins were born named after me. After about four years of fighting like cats and dogs, I couldn't take it anymore, so we got divorced. And then later to find out that the twins weren't even mine. And so I was in my early 20s, hit rock bottom, but I always knew that I would eventually find that woman for me. And I realized that I had to get my shit together, so I had to start doing my self-work. And then I rebuilt myself, and I healed and recovered from the breakup. And then other men started coming to me for coaching. So if you've uh, seen that movie Hitch, literally that's like my story. It's like someone found my letters and read each one out loud. That was me. <laughs> and so I started coaching men first and then eventually I met Melanie. And then when I met Melanie and we fell in love and we, we got into a relationship, I realized that she had what it take, took to be a great coach. And I would always tell her like, babe, you know what? We're going to coach together one day. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, you know what? That's not my thing. I'm in di- into dentistry. Don't be telling me what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm my like, own dreams. <laughs> yeah. And I kept staying and I stuck with it. And I was like, watch, I see the vision. We're going to coach mm-hmm. together. And then one day she saw her power as a coach and she started coaching. 
and she fell in love with it. And then we started coaching together as a team and that created the amazing clocks. Well, you, let me kind of add my story was happen, happening simultaneously. So I also was in my early 20s and I had grown up in foster care. You know, my my mom was a drug addict and an alcoholic. So I always had the experience of not having family, having to play small. So my number one goal when I grew up was to get married, have a family. Like I was watching TV, right? The programming, like you grow up, you get married, you buy a house, you have some kids and you'll be happy. And so I did all that. I accomplished all that by 24 years old. I owned a home, I was married. I, I had a beautiful house and then I still found myself sad and depressed because that didn't solve my inner problems. So I ended up getting divorced because my first husband was unwilling to do personal work. He didn't want to go to therapy. He didn't want to do anything to create change. So I went on my own. And as I started down the road of personal development, I fell in love with it. So like Anthony, I rebuilt myself and I knew I was like, I know the love of my life is out there. That's one thing I know about myself is I have so much love to give that I know that there's someone that is ready to receive that love and return it back to me on the same level, like a knowing, like no doubt in my mind. So when we met, one of the first conversations we had in a club was like, what are your spiritual beliefs? Like, what are you trying to create was, in your life? This is 30 years ago. And it was 30 in years ago. And we're in a nightclub talking about energy and spirituality and, you know, consciously wow. creating your reality before anybody knew what that was. So we saw each other and felt each other immediately. It was like, wow. Like, even if, honestly, this is how I felt. Even if this doesn't work out, even if this is a booty call, I'm in. I am in. I am here for all of it because I don't know if I'll ever experience this level of connection ever again in my life. So I was just at peace with it. Whatever it's going to be, I'm going into it. it. It just feels right. right. And one thing I want to add, and don't let me run the show because I will just take <laughs> over and just keep going. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn, I was surrounded by broken relationships. And my, my mother, her relationships, my aunts, all of them. And it hurt me as a kid. I was like seven years old, but at seven, I was very connected to spirit. Mm -hmm. And it bothered me so much that I literally told myself one day, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to find a love of my life. We're going to have this amazing love affair like the world's never seen. Then we're going to turn around and teach the rest of the world how to have that. That was literally my dream at seven years old. And I would sit under the covers and listen to love songs and <laughs> fantasize about this woman and fantasize about this relationship. So as I got older and went to college, I always, it was in the back of my, my mind, it was always like, you're going to find her where she's at. We're going to find each other. We're going to find each other. And even with my first wife, it was like, this ain't it. I know this isn't it. Mm -hmm. And then when we got divorced, I, I that's the reason why I did my self-work, because it was like, this woman's going to be amazing. We're going to have this amazing love affair. So that means I got to get my shit together. I got to be the best me possible. So that's what I did. So by the time I met Melanie at the club, it was like, wait a minute. She could be the one. This feels like this might be her. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It turned out to be her. That's right. Go. We both felt it. Yeah. Yes. 
I think that's the one thing that all of the couples that I've talked to have in common is like when they met, as soon as they met, they just mm-hmm. knew like something about that person mm-hmm. was different and everybody has explained it differently, but I love the way you guys explained it. You kind of just saw each other's spirit, right? Like mm-hmm. you just, you yes. just knew you, you felt that energy in the moment and it was just like, click yes. like those movie moments where like the person is glowing or something like that. Right. <laughs> you know what? The synchronicity was even way deeper than that. So mm. for example, at the time when I was single, I was dating a lot of women and I was honest with them because it was like, I couldn't find that one woman that had everything that I wanted. So it was like build a bear. It was like build a woman. <laughs> so I date one woman. She's a great cook, but no sense of humor. Another woman sense of humor, but not sexual chemistry. So it was always like, okay, pieces, pieces, pieces. And that helped me to get clear on my preferences so that eventually I knew after a while, like, okay, I know what I want. I'm clear on it. And so the night that we met, I was, I I used to work, uh, I had like three jobs. I was like the hey man with three jobs. (laughs) And two of the jobs were working at nightclubs. And so I finally had a night off and it was like, I'm tired. I'm not dating anybody today. I'm going to stay home by myself. I'm going to cook a nice meal. I'm going to masturbate. I'm going to have, you know, watch TV. I'm going to, I'm going to date myself tonight. And my spirit was like, go out, go out, go out. And it was like, ah, I was trying to ignore it at first, but it kept go out, go out. And finally, I literally had this conversation with my spirit. I was like, why am I going out? I'm, I'm good. And it was like, just go out. It was like, okay, I'm going to go out to one club. And after that one club, I'm going to come home. All right. Spirit was like, okay. So I went to this one club and I knew the bouncer and I walked in and it was dead. And I was kind of happy that it was dead because I wanted to go back home. And the bouncer was like, yeah, but you know what? There was this bad chick that came in here named Melanie. And I was like, like, dude, what, what do you tell me about some woman that this has nothing to do with me? So then I was going home. I was like, okay, I don't know what that was about. Why spirits sent me through that. But then there was one more nightclub right before my house. My spirit was like, go into that one. Go into that one. Aye, right, spirit. I'm going to do it anyway. I right, I don't know why. And I walked in the club. As soon as I walked in, I saw Melanie across the room. And she saw me. And, they, and we had ran into each other a couple other times. I ran into her when she was married to her husband. And I was married to my wife. But and it, we had that chemistry even then. Like, we didn't say anything to each other. But I was like, yo. But we saw each other she should be with me. Like, yo, I'm feeling her. And she felt the same way about me, but we never spoke. So when I met her at the club, we immediately connected. She came up to me. She approached me. And my thing was, I always knew what I wanted in a woman. And I wanted a ride or die. I wanted someone, a woman that had the confidence to go for what she wanted. So while I'm in the club, the other woman was trying to play cute, you know, throwing a hand back, waiting for me to approach them. And it was like, I'm not doing that. Melanie came up to me. And she was like, can I buy you a drink? That blew me away. First of all, I love that she had the balls, the lady balls, <laughs> to come up and, and speak for what she wanted. That impressed me. So then that's when we sat down after that and we talked all night long. Ooh. And so, oh, tell her your side of oh, what's happening. And it's then the my, my side of it was I had a date and I got stood up. And I decided, like, I'm not just going to sit at home. 
at, because somebody stood me up. I look cute. I'm going out. I'm going to go listen to some music, have some fun. Like I just went out to have fun. Um, I tried to get one of my girlfriends to go out with me. She couldn't get a babysitter. So I was like, eh, I'm going by myself. So I went to that first club that he went to because there was a band there and I wanted to listen to music. And the same bouncer told me that band is at the other club. Go to that other club if you want to see them. So that's how I ended up at that club to go listen to music. And I was by myself. So I just sat at the bar. It was a bunch of old dudes and we were having great conversation because I just love people, right? Like I just go into every situation with like, I just think people are amazing. I love hearing people's stories. So I was just chatting it up with the old dudes, you know, having a good time at the bar, danced a little bit. And um, when I saw him walk in, I was like, that's that guy. Like I've seen him a few times and I feel something when I see him, I'm going to go up to him. I'm going to go talk to him. And that was part of my personal growth because I had been really shy. I felt very dominated in my first marriage. So I came out of it with this sense of like, I want to do whatever I want to do. Nobody gets to control me. Nobody tells me what to do. And if that's going to be the case, then I have to take charge of my life and I have to go for what I want. And that was kind of my mindset. So when I walked up to him and just started talking to him, I thought like guys have, you know, this was the nineties. So guys had more power, right? Like they could do whatever they want. I was like, I'm going to be like that. You know, I'm going to go offer him a drink. I'm going to ask him. So I just walked right up to him and was, you just started asking him questions. And then I asked him a question about, he had met my sister before and like, you know, if they'd ever connected or talked and he was like, no. And then when he said, I asked him, well, what's your type? He said, you, you're my type. And that threw me off guard. Like I, I didn't know what to say to that. Like I didn't expect that. So that's when I was like, what would a guy do right now? What would a guy do right now? He'd buy a drink. Okay. Uh, can I buy you a drink? (laughs) (laughs) And then he, and he said, yes. And, uh, I didn't even have any money. I had to borrow some money at the bar from some of the old guys and the bartender. (laughs) Because this was before Uh ATMs, you could swipe everywhere, right? Like you still had to have money when you went somewhere. But I was in my 20s and beautiful. I didn't need no money when I went to a club. What the hell I need money for, Uh right? So up here I am offering to buy a drink and I didn't even have any money. It was hilarious. I took care of the drinks after that. Yeah, he took care of it after that. I love your story because (laughs) y'all were being pushed together. Like clearly y'all were like meant to be and being pushed together and shout Mm -hmm. out to that bouncer because he's a real one. Yeah, y'all still is, keep is, in contact is, with that person because, like, yeah, like 30 years ago, but right. but it is yeah. true, and we both felt it, we right. both felt it, but and he felt yeah. it too. Oh, yeah, and you know, with the, the right away, I was blown away also by the level of conversation, right? It was we went right to spirituality, and mm-hmm. back then, nobody was really talking about that, especially in the black community. And so mm-hmm. we were just building, just dropping bombs on each other and, how, and just seeing how we were so much aligned in our ways of thinking about, you know, life. Yeah. Yeah. And so after the conversations and everything was great and the spiritual connection was there, I'm like, yo, you know what? This could be wifey. This could be it. But there's one more thing I need to find out. At the time, I was um going to be stationed uh, to work with the Department of Corrections. So they were going to send me off to the academy. So I knew I was leaving. And so I didn't have time to play games. And 
I know in order for a relationship for me to be successful, one of the qualities that I have to have is sexual chemistry. And so once again, it was like, all right, I want a woman that goes for what she wants, that doesn't play, you know, play the game. Um, I don't have time to, to play around. So if there's some sexual chemistry here, I need to know. If there's not, boom, but everything else is there. So I was like, okay, I had a great time. I may not see you again after I asked her this question, but it is what it is. And I was like, hey, so the club was closing. And I was like, all right, so I'm going home. You coming with me? And that was it right there. It was like, if she says no, I respect that. And, you know, I had a great time, but she's not the one for me. If she says yes, then one, I like the confidence. I like a woman that goes after what she wants. And then if the sex is good. It's on and popping. I could do this. <laughs> and so she thought about it for a second and she stopped and she <laughs> thought. Then she was like, okay, let's go. Game on. So got to my spot. The sex was off the hook. The chemistry <laughs> was definitely there. And after she was going to leave. And I was like, hey, 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 wait a minute. Where you going? She was like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. I was like, nah, I want you to stay. I want you to spend the night. I want to cuddle. And so she stayed. We cuddled. Um, she got up in the morning, tried to, you know, tippy toe out. I was like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm leaving. And I was like, I want to see you again. I want to take you on a date. And then she gave me a number. And we started dating. Had been together. Ever since. So we broke all the rules. Yes. She bought me a drink. We met at a club and we had sex on the first night. And here we are 30 plus years later. Yeah. So yeah. no. I love to see it. I love to hear it because <laughs> it's very reminiscent of how my partner and I met. So um, the episode is Pink Lady and Partner on Why Love Alone is Not Enough. Um, it was my partner and I talking about just how we met and how we kind of like do our relationship, different things about that. Um, so if you want to hear more, I'm not going to go into detail about how we met. Um, but basically my partner moved in with me like real quick. <laughs> like nice. it, it happened <laughs> so quick. The first time we met, um, I told him like, just come over. We'll figure out what we're going to do. Um, you know, we'll like go out to dinner or whatever, but we'll we'll just talk, we'll chat. And we um uh, we both are adults and we both smoke uh cannabis. So we're mm -hmm. like, we're gonna come, come over, smoke, we'll hang out real yeah. quick and then we'll go eat, whatever, right? Um yep. so he comes over, we are talking for like five hours, literally. The time goes by like that. Before you know it, it's like, oh don't you want to go out to eat don't you want to go do something and we're just like nah you know what like when, when can I see you again that was really yeah. like I just want to see you again um so the conversation I can absolutely like that that it, it feels like it lets me know I'm on the right track you know like yes. the conversation yep. is there 100 <laughs> sexual mm -hmm. chemistry definitely there um we we are on different ends of the spectrum with our spirituality. Um, mm -hmm. Just because he is a, he's very religious and mm -hmm. I am a lot freer in my thinking um, of spirit, mm -hmm. but we, we come together on that. We compromise on that. Um, so it's just like, okay, I, I can feel like I'm on this, <laughs> on the right path with him. Um, You're on the right frequency. 
right frequency. I like that. Thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, yes. I have questions, though. I have a lot of okay. follow-up questions. We got answers. We got answers, baby. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So uh, my first question for Anthony, um, actually for you both, but I think, Anthony, you were the first person who said um, you had to do the self-work. Um, for our audience okay. listening, can you tell us what that meant for you, what that actually looked like? Um, you said something very important. I think you like you want this amazing woman. So you had to become that amazing mm -hmm. person yourself. That is right. like, duh, right? But it's it's profound right. in thinking because most people don't think like that. <laughs> so yeah. right. just what was yeah. that self-work? You know, the self-work for me was first and foremost to accept my situation. The divorce, the kids, not being mine, the athletic careers, losing all of that and making peace with that and not holding on to that anger. Then the next part was for me to really reflect on my marriage, my first marriage, and look, it's easy to blame the other person, but it takes two to tangle. So anything that I attract in my life, I attracted it. And so if I attracted the good, the bad, and the ugly, I have to take responsibility for the things that I attracted. I had to see myself, how I showed up in that marriage. And when I did that without the ego involved, I was able to see my flaws my areas that I needed improving it, where I could improve. Um, I saw the areas where there was room for growth. I saw a lot of tra childhood traumas and pains that I was carrying. A lot of limited beliefs about relationships, about life. So I always say, if you don't go within, you will go without. So I had to go within and start cleaning that stuff up start making peace with things, start releasing old you know, shame and guilt. And that to me was my work in developing a spiritual connection and learning how to tap into my internal guidance system. And so that was my inner work, identifying the, the wounds, healing the wounds, um, and then deciding who would I want to be next? What version of me do I want to be next? And then once I created that vision, it was the next job was to step into that. And that version of me was to be a more loving partner, um, a partner that was more accepting, a partner that, that didn't feel a need to control, um, a partner that could be vulnerable and open up to, my, to the woman I'm with. Um, so I had to create... Uh, I had to rebuild myself and rebuild myself better and stronger. And that's what I did. So that was my self-work. And, and for that, I use, you know, universal laws, law of attraction, um, on my self-therapy that I did as well. I went to traditional therapy and it didn't work for me. It was like, eh, this isn't it. It's too superficial. I need to go deeper. And dealing with the energetic causes behind the things that were blocking me from what I wanted from being happy, from being successful. So it was a long process, but that in a nutshell, that was, that was the work. Yeah. Ooh, the control and releasing the need to be in control um, and vulnerability. Oh, like mm -hmm. those are the things that I'm, we're working on for sure. Um, vulnerability mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, 
we see progress for sure, but um, definitely yeah. things we're working on because it's so important. Do you want to talk about why like vulnerability in a relationship, especially is so important? Well, for me, from my perspective, vulnerability is important because that's where the good stuff is. That's in order for me to connect to your heart, you have to be vulnerable. You can't have these, these gates up and these fortresses up. And, you know, for me growing up in Brooklyn, you, you growing up with fortresses. Everywhere you're going to build fortresses and you're very picky about who you let in. And so even though you're picky about who you're letting in, if you that fortress is up, not only can the love not get in, but the love can't get out. And so when I'm with other people, they can't really connect to me. They can't really feel me. And so vulnerability to me is getting naked and going, this is who I am. The good, the bad, the ugly. What you see is what you get. And I'm comfortable with that. And by me doing that, I'm giving my partner permission to do the same thing as well. I'm being that example. Yeah. So then I'm a vibrational match to a partner that's vulnerable. And in order for me to really connect and truly love you on the deepest levels, you have to let down those fortresses. You have to let down those gates. You have to be vulnerable. And that's where the growth is in vulnerability. Yeah. I, I would just add to that. You know, when you decide to share your life with someone, the whole joy of sharing your life with someone is that they love and accept you for who you are. Mm -hmm. So if you're holding back parts of yourself from fear of judgment, fear of ridicule, fear that you're not good enough, then you're actually not allowing your partner to choose you fully because you're not yeah. choosing yourself fully. And we've been taught that vulnerability is weakness and it's so easy to put a wall up. It's so easy to shut down. That's the weakness. Like I'm just going to take the easy route and put a wall up and shut down and not talk about it or run or run. That doesn't take any strength or power at all. What takes strength and power is saying, Hey, there's a part of me that I think is selfish there's a part of me that doesn't want what everybody else wants and doesn't think how everybody else thinks. Whatever it is that you think is not enough about yourself, when you share that with a partner, you're showing them who you really are and they get the opportunity to love that part of you so that you could learn to love it too. You're like, oh, you could love that part of me when I'm bitchy and mean sometimes or I get triggered. You know, if I get triggered and I and I'm mean, then if you could say, you know what, you was kind of mean, but I still love you. Mm -hmm. So what you going to do about the mean lady that shows up every once in a while? Mm -hmm. Now I can accept that I have this mean lady in me that shows up every once in a while and I could I could work with her. Right. I could work on her, but I don't have to use my ego to defend and justify mean behavior because I've already shown you that part of myself and you know that I'm aware of it and that I'm working on it and you're supporting me in that work by loving me unconditionally while I work on it. Mm -hmm. That takes strength. That is not weakness. So vulnerability requires mm -hmm. a lot of strength and that's why it's so hard yeah, for people. And it can't be trust without vulnerability. So once you're vulnerable, yeah. that's when you can really start trusting because you're naked. It's yeah. like, this is who I am. Once I, I see what I'm working with completely, then I could trust. But if you always have to, you know, if your partner's not vulnerable, you're always going to be wondering like, hmm, 
you're going to be a little cautious and suspicious of them. So and, vulnerability is really important. And I just want to add the vulnerability should start in dating. Like when mm-hmm. Anthony and I met on our first date, he told me what had happened with his first wife. And mm-hmm. he had told me what happened with his kids. And then as the dating progressed, he had a lot of behavior that I may not have had grace for if I would not known his story, you know what I'm saying? Like there were times that he couldn't show up for me. There were times where he was triggered, but I knew his story because he was vulnerable enough to share it that I was like, Oh, I could see what's happening here. He's Mm -hmm. triggered right now. He's going through it or whatever the case. And I could show him grace and start loving him even in the dating process Mm -hmm. instead of judging him or turning it to to myself, right? Like, oh, he's doing that because I'm not good enough. Oh, he's doing that because he doesn't care about me. Oh, he's doing that because he doesn't respect me. No, this man has been hurt. He has been traumatized and he is working through that. But if he had not told me his story, it would have been really hard for me to be able to do that for him. And even telling my story, it was me not, it was me being vulnerable because mm-hmm. I stopped being ashamed of it. Yeah, It was like, it is what it is. And I'm not going to, you know, bury it. I'm not going to suppress it. I'm not going to run from it. Um, always say your success is in your mess. And that was my mess. And that's where my success came from by being vulnerable and embracing it. Yep. Which then eventually led to us being coaches. Yes, exactly. Hey y'all pink lady here. I'm a podcast producer, director, coach, and host. And I want to tell you all about my production company, Pink Lady Productions. We collaborate with creatives like you who are driven to share your message by launching your podcast from A to Z and coaching you through the process. To learn more about our services, check out our website at pinkladyprod.com. That's P-I-N-K-L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D.com. Yeah. Oh, Melanie, I love what you said about like when you're being vulnerable, you're you're giving your partner your, a chance to choose you and a mm-hmm. chance to choose yourself. Is yeah. that mm-hmm. it? OK, yeah, yeah. You're, you're giving you're giving mm. your partner the opportunity to choose all of you mm. so that you yeah. don't have to hide it or pretend you're something that you're not. We're we're all human. I get bitchy sometimes. He gets moody sometimes. Like, but we know that about each other and we still yeah. love each other through it, right? Like we don't have to justify and defend. It's like, eh, it just is what it is. I, I love you. I, I know your moods. I, I know your stuff. It's okay. Yeah. But when and that feels so good that I never worry that he's gonna leave me because I'm having a bad day. You know what yeah. I mean? Or that I say something out of pocket, right? <laughs> or yeah. that. Whatever the case may be, I know that Anthony sees all of me, the good, the bad, the ugly, and he chooses to love me. And I see all of him mm-hmm. and I continue to choose to love him because he's shown it all to me. There's mm-hmm. there's no surprises. There's no yes. trust issues. There's no trust issues because I know all of how, how he thinks. And even if I don't agree with it, which I don't always, and he doesn't always <laughs> agree with me. We can still love and accept each other. And I think there's some of that's missing right now Mm. in our society. We have gotten away from loving and accepting each other when we disagree. We've decided that if we disagree, there's no love. You're never going to agree with somebody 100%. You Mm. can still love and disagree. 
So that that's my take on it. Yeah, absolutely. All these conditions on love, right? Um, yes. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm getting a, a free session from you guys. <laughs> and I'm just like... I'm just gonna go in and like tell y'all more. Go about in, me. girl. Go in. Get your session. Get your session. Keep session. giving me all the gems. <laughs> yes, it's it's just so true. It's blowing my mind right now. Like I I definitely used to do that. It's like the um the movie Runaway Bride. Um, every relationship she was in, she pretended to be this person, and she couldn't stop pretending to be this person until she got to the freaking like until she was getting married, right? She was yeah. coming down the aisle to get married and then just ran away, right? And yeah. people do that all the time. I definitely used to do that. It's like, I don't, I'm not ready to share these parts of myself. Mm -hmm. And instead of just being honest and saying like, I'm not ready to share these parts of myself, I pretended it was different. I pretended like, oh no, I don't feel that way. Oh no, I agree with yeah. you. Oh no, like- just, yeah. you know, being agreeable and just yeah. hiding. Go along to get along. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. you, you know, in my first marriage, it I played the game. I did what most people do. I tried to, you know, this is who I'm supposed to be. So let me fit this role. And it sucked. It really sucked. <laughs> and, I, and so after that marriage, I, I realized, I walked away realizing that I don't want to play the game. I want to be me 110%. I want someone that's going to love and accept me for who I am. And if I'm not the one for them, okay, good. Goodbye. That means there's someone for you that's better for you. But I want to be my authentic self because I want to show up and just be myself. When I'm myself, I'm at my best. When my partner can accept me for who I am, I'm at my best. So if I put that out there, who I really am, regardless of what anybody thinks, there's a vibrational match to me. There's that feminine that's going to be perfect for me. And so if I hide that, then I'm going to get something that I, I don't really want. So I put that out there. This is me. This is Anthony. You know what? Some woman ran away screaming, freaked out. No, I can't take you too much. Goodbye. Fine. I get that. I get that. I ain't <laughs> right? for everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm a Brooklyn boy. I may take some getting used to. I get it. And so when I met Melanie... I was open book. And it was like, is she going to run? No, she didn't run because she was open book. And what I was looking for, she had. And what I she was looking for, I had. And that's what made us connect. And so we didn't cover up. We were, we were both truly 100% authentic about who we were, which felt amazing, which made dating fun yeah. and enjoyable. And yeah. to this day, we are still like that. Yep. So that was the foundation that we built this this marriage on yeah ab absolutely and you know in my first marriage i did a lot of people pleasing i tried to do everything that everyone wanted me to do like i literally was a doormat and guess what it still wasn't good enough because when you're not your authentic self mm -hmm. and you're people pleasing people just see you as a people pleaser and they will take 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 right so i left that marriage with uh with a new attitude and my attitude was I'm pleasing me first 
And I don't care what anyone thinks about it. Like, I don't give a diggly dong dang. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd have, I'd date and guys would be like, you're like a guy. You say whatever you want. You ask for whatever you want. And I'm saying, I'm not like a guy. I'm just a woman who knows what she wants and just spent 10 years in a marriage trying to give everything to someone else. And it wasn't good enough. So I'm not doing it anymore. And just like Anthony, I'm not for everyone. And if you don't like it, then you're not for me. Bye-bye. Like, and I didn't take it personally. Like, oh, I didn't go, oh, what's wrong with me? I was like, what's wrong with you? Because this is greatness. I feel amazing being my authentic, true self. So if you can't handle that, you are just not for me. You see how I flipped it? It was like, not. it's not about me being for you. It's actually, are you for me? Because you can accept me. You could see me and accept me. And that's what I wanted. Right. And that's what I got. And if she would have, you know, fronted and tried to be something that she wasn't, we were not connected. Mm -mm. Because I wouldn't have seen that, whole, that side of a, maybe to those other guys, those aspects would turn off. But that's what I was looking for. That was a turn on to me. And so I was looking for women that had that. So a lot of women, a lot of people will cover those things up. And if you do that, you're going to miss your opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. If you are listening right now, these are gems. So I hope you're <laughs> writing down your notes or like, I hope you're like really internalizing this because it's so true. Like you said it, you are calling in these things, right? So if you're pretending mm -hmm. to be something, that's what you're going to be calling in. And that's yep. not what you want. So mm -hmm. if you're looking for another reason or you, you're, you need something to tell you to be your authentic self, this yeah. is it. <laughs> this yeah. is it. Oh, mm -hmm. I love it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the characteristics that you were looking for. Um, the next question is, why did you choose this person as your partner? So, yeah, like what mm -hmm. were those things you was like everything that you were looking for? The other person had so like just give me some examples, I guess, of like what were those things that you were really looking for? You know, um, for me, it's really interesting because I took such a traditional route, like, you know, the house, I call it benchmarking, right? Like mm -hmm. what everyone is told in society they're supposed to want. So you want to hit those benchmarks, right? Like you want to get married, you want to buy a house, you want to have kids, like that's the dream, right? Because I did that so early, my mindset was probably a lot, lot different than a lot of women dating. And what I wanted was I wanted a partner that was a dreamer, that wanted a big life. Like I already had the house in the suburbs and the carpool. And I was like, this ain't it. Like, I can't see this being my whole life. Like I'm a dreamer. I want to do great things in life. Like I just always had a sense of that when I was a kid that I just wanted to do something to change the world. Like I wanted to be an author. I did some modeling. Like I had big dreams. And my first husband was not supportive of those big dreams. He thought they were silly and childish. He was older than me. And so he would just be like, you don't need to do that. But they were they were growing in me because I had accomplished so much so early that they were growing that I wanted a partner that had that same mindset and was willing to go for it and would support me in my dreams. That was huge. I also 
felt like I loved really big and I wanted someone to love me back the same way. Like I had my experience of that first love was a lot of criticism. So I decided I wanted to be adored. That was my word. Like I want someone to adore me because I am amazing. Like I saw how amazing I was. I'm like, I am tall. I am beautiful. I'm a good cook. I'm nurturing. I'm smart. I'm a hard worker. I'm a go-getter. I should be adored for that. Facts, 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 facts. Okay. Right. I'm great in bed. Like I got it all. So whoever I'm with needs to be looking at me like you, I adore you. Mm. Right. Mm. And I want to adore him. Mm. So those things were huge to me. And then somebody that just wanted to go after it with me. Also on my list, because I had children, someone who would not only love my children, but be an amazing influence on them. Like what their dad, in my perspective, was lacking that I was seeing that he wasn't able to give them that I know they needed. I wanted my partner to be able to help fill in that gap for me. And those were real. And let me just be real. And he need to be fine. Like, I want my man to be fine. Like, when I look at him, I want to be like, ah, yummy, 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 yummy. <laughs> You're adorable. Right? Mm. So it was that. So when I met Anthony, first of all, when I looked at him, I was like, mm, yummy, 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 yummy. <laughs> right? Number one, off the bat. And then when I was talking to him, I could see how he was looking at me. He was sizing me up. I was like, oh, he got, he could adore me potential. Like, I see this. And then when we started talking about spirituality and our dreams, and he he was getting ready to go away to this academy, and, and he wrote music, and he was creative, and it was just so sexy. Like, he had big dreams. Like, we talked about so many ideas and concepts. I was like, this guy has that. Like, I could talk to him for hours and hours, and boy, have I over the last 30 years, like we stay up talking to each other all the time. Like a couple weeks ago, I was in California and he was here in Charlotte and we were on the phone for three hours. And I was like, ain't this some 30 years later. And we are still on the phone with each other for three hours. I go to bed for two o'clock every morning since yeah. we've been together because yeah. we just stay up talking Yeah, and early in the morning, coffee, going back at it again. Yeah. So, so those were my things. I, yeah. I wanted someone who was, and he was tall, um, but that was the yummy, yummy part. Cause I'm six one. So I wasn't just trying to be with a tall guy for the sake of him being tall. I just wanted him to be tall so that I felt like it was a good fit with my body. Right. Like when, when he put his arms around me that I felt feminine, because when you're a really tall woman, sometimes if you date shorter guys, you won't feel as feminine as you want to feel when you're with a man that's a little bit bigger than you. So I, I really wanted that, but all the things that I wanted, I wanted someone who was ambitious, but I actually didn't care about like the money, right? Like I wasn't like, oh, he's got to be, make this much money or he's got to be this successful. I wanted someone that I could build with. I did, I didn't care, but he had to have ambition and want big things in life. That, that was important to me. He didn't have to have it now, but he had to want it because I know who I am. And I'm like, I'm about to go get the bag. So if he want to go get it with me, it's on. But, you know, I don't want to do it by myself. So having a partner that wanted to do that with me, those were the main things and that I could be myself and be accepted and loved for who I was. Yeah.
And with me, she pretty much, it's like she found my letters and read each one out loud. <laughs> you wanted the same things, babe? It's the same thing. Right from the beginning, I, we had a conversation and I explained to her that, you know what? Being single, I'm having a great time being single. It's mm -hmm. the best time of my life. But I do want love. But I don't just want a partner. I want a soulmate. I, I don't just want a relationship. I want a lifetime of bliss. And if I can't have that, then I'm good being single. Yeah. And she agreed. Me too. Same thing. And so that was a big one. Uh, of course, that she was beautiful. That was important to me. A spiritual connection with my first wife. I couldn't talk about anything spiritual with her. It was like, we got married for the wrong reasons. We got married more so on a physical, you know, for physical reasons. Connection. Connection. But, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to talk about spirituality with her, and she's looking at me like, what? Get that out of here. And she wants to talk about the sales or what's on sale at the clothing stores. And I'm like, what? Get that out of here. So there was no connection. So that spiritual connection was very, and I knew that I had to have that. Um, a woman that was nurturing, that was soft, but yet still confident. A woman that was ambitious. Um, a woman that that cared about other people. My first wife was not so much like that. And a woman that could balance, help balance me a little. Because I, at the time, I was very, very hard. Very still like, Brooklyn hard. And she was able to compliment me and bring that softness, which eventually we learned to balance each other out with that. I eventually picked up some of her softness and her empathy. She picked up some of my toughness. So we help balance each other over time. Yep. That is really important too, that your partner really compliments you, right? Like mm -hmm. you you just kind of fit well and you learn from mm -hmm. each other. I think that's yeah. something that's really important too, that you can learn from each other. Yeah, mm -hmm. very important. Yeah. So what roles do you play in your relationship? I would say we're role fluid. Yeah. Right? You want to you yeah, address that? I compare that? it to like, we're like a, a spoon and a fork. You you use them for the same purposes, but you use them differently. Mm -hmm. But they both serve the same purpose. If you like had two forks, then you're forked. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a spoon, two spoons, the same thing. It does you no good. Yeah. So one's a fork, one's a spoon. We both serve the purpose to get the job done. But we just do it a little differently. Sometimes it's like, hey, we need a spoon for this one. This is soup. Sometimes it's like, yo, you know what? This is meat. We need to, we need the fork. And so that's how we kind of balance it. We just play it by ear. Yeah. And and we have a lot of uh similar qualities. So it's easy for us to, you know, slip in and out of roles. So for example, we both love business, right? We have three businesses. We both love business. We love talking about business. We love building business. Um, we're both creative, but we also both know how to do the things that need to be done. So we just kind of split it up according to who's passionate about what or who naturally gravitates towards what. Um, when our daughter was little, like I wanted to be a career woman. I really liked my work. I wanted to go to work. I wanted to leave the house every day. He was building our business and, you know, it was his first child. So he's like, I want to be caregiver. I want to take care of the baby. I don't want to miss it. He I doesn't want to miss it. Yeah. I already had two children. I was like, been there, done that. So I'm going to go to work. 
and you could stay home and clean the house and take care of the baby and build the business. And it was amazing. Like, I remember my neighbors would be like, I see your husband walking around with this little baby on his chest. And I'm like, yeah, that's his baby. Why wouldn't he? No different than if I would do it. Right. So we just have always looked at life like we it may not seem like it now because we're we're more we're vintage. We're more mature. But back in the day, we were rebels. We were rebels. We were like, no, we're not following the rules. No, we do do what what we want. You say that the woman has to stay home and the man works. No, he's staying home and I'm going to work. Like we were just really rebellious against the roles that people told us we were supposed to play. We did not like them because once again, we wanted to be our authentic selves. And so we still allow that in our relationship. Anthony cooks, I cook. Anthony cleans, I clean. Anthony does business, I do business. It just depends on what needs to be done, who's available and who's feeling it. And you know, that goes back to being your authentic self. And because when you're authentic self, it's easy. You just got to show up and be yourself. That's all it takes. And so like, I compare it to, we live very from a place of spiritual connection and a spirits having a physical world experience. And so from our perspective, it's like as spiritual beings, we knew that this world was an illusion. It was a, a living library, a playground for us to come to. And as spiritual beings, we all want to come here and be different things. I'm going to come here and do this. I'm going to come here and try that. I'm going to come here and be like this. And then we get here and those that have been here before us, that a lot of them don't even know us or care about us. They're like, hey, little ones, we know you're glad to be here and we want to do all these amazing things. But those of us that have been here before you, we created these templates for you to live your life by. Don't worry about that. We just fit into this thing that we created for you. And so with this template, it's like playing twisters. And it's like, by this age, you need to accomplish this. You need to act like this, talk like this. This subject need to think like this. So then we all try to fit into this twister game, this template, and we can sort on ourselves and it's uncomfortable and painful. And we're told that if you fit into this template that we created for you, then we'll celebrate you. We'll, we'll build tr- statues of you. We'll honor you. We'll, you're a great person. You're successful. But if you don't, we're going to ridicule you. We're going to judge you. We're going to rip you down. And if you see anybody else that's not living up to it, you do the same to them. So then we all try to fit into it. And it's uncomfortable. And it doesn't work for us. And But then we start to think, wow, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not pretty enough. Maybe I'm not wealthy enough. So then we turn on ourselves. But the truth is, we're not designed to fit into a template. As a spiritual beings, it's like my fingerprint. Nobody ever had my fingerprint. Nobody ever will. So my path and how I show up here is supposed to be unique. If I follow my path, I'm not here to fit in. I'm here to stand out just by being who I really am. And so you just, we decided not getting a template. So a lot of people that are even living up to that template, they live up to all these standards and then find out I'm still not happy. I'm still miserable. Yeah. So everybody's fronting, pretending that playing this game, but twisting like everything's good, but they know it's not. Then the neighbors come by and they're like, hey, Ms. Johnson, how's it going? We're living up to the template. We, we are too. It's great, isn't it? Liar. <laughs> no, it ain't for most of you. Yeah. So we, had, we realized we don't want to do that anymore. Mm-mm. Screw the template. Yeah. We're going to do it our way. Yeah. But they're going to judge you. Let them judge us. And so when we do it our way, it feels good. It flows. It's easy. We, we, we're in our sweet zone. Things work out. We kill it. And then those people that were judging us, they're like, wait a minute, you could do that? They're happy. They're successful. How do you, yeah. you do that? 
then they want to do it. Now those same people come to us going, hey, can you teach me how to do that now? I want to be like you. Mm-hmm. But by us doing it, we're giving them permission mm-hmm. to do it too. Yeah. You just have to have the courage to get out the template. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have some really great analogies. I, I like metaphors and, and analogies. They help me really see things. So yeah, you're you're really good with that. Spot on. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I love that one. It's like because it's so that's exactly how it is, right? We're all twisting and contorting ourselves to fit these yeah. shapes that we know we don't fit in and we know it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. But that's what we're supposed to do, right? We feel like mm-hmm. that's what we're supposed to mm-hmm. do. And yeah. you just right. keep going until we meet somebody like you, right? Who is like, mm-hmm. we all going this way, you going this way. We like, what? Where, where y'all going? Yeah. Let me <laughs> let me follow that person. They not doing yeah. what the, everybody else yeah. is doing, right? So it, yeah. it's yeah. beautiful. And those are the rebels, right? Those are the people yeah. who like, okay. This is how society thinks. This is how all y'all think. I'm going to take a step over here because it's not yeah. working for me, right? Yeah. I, I love it. I, I, yeah. I'm i still fangirling, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when, that, when we were doing that, trust me, people didn't like it. People talked shit about us. They judged us. Mm-hmm. They told us we were doing it wrong. Who the hell did we think we were? But we knew we were like, this is my life. And I spent the first half of it trying to be and do what everybody else wanted. And it did not serve me. It did not make me feel fulfilled. And so I don't care what you think. I'm Mm -hmm. doing what I want. And then we started watching people catch up, right? And follow suit and people starting to decide Mm -hmm. that they wanted to choose who they were instead of the programming that they were given. And that's what we do in our coaching. We took this journey in the 90s of how to reprogram ourselves to the actual factory setting of who we really are instead of all the programs that were piled on top of us. Because we didn't ask for those programs. I didn't ask for um, a mother that couldn't love me and foster care. I didn't ask for that. I just showed up here. That's what I got. So I had to deal with it and how I reacted to that experience made me who I am. So I can have gratitude for all of it, but I have to decide what I do with that journey and how I perceive it and how I'm going to create the rest of my life with it mm-hmm. and how I'm going to show up in relationships because of it. And that that's not always easy to do on your own. We had each other. Like, thank God we had each other because it, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do, but we knew it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. For us. Right. I was just about to say it was right for you. And that's what mattered. It didn't matter what everybody else thought. Yeah. I love that. Stay tuned for the second part of this interview coming next week. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything I talked about on this episode, you can DM me on Instagram at PinkLadyProd, that's P-I-N-K-L-A-D-Y-P-R-O-D, or you can email me at jasmine at PinkLadyProd.com. Jasmine is spelled J-A-S-M-I-N-E. If you want more info about Pink Lady Productions or me, you can visit our website at pinkladyprod.com. 
Subscribe to Podcasting is the new king for updates on new episodes, and please feel free to share it. Also, please rate and review the show. Peace.